0: Hey, this episode of The Moment is brought to you by Billions. I created the show along with David Levine and Andrew Ross Sorkin, and Levine and I are the showrunners. This show is incredibly important to me. It's a story that we were dying to tell. Sitting here as I'm talking right now, one year ago today, we started shooting the pilot. Uh, And and a year before that, we started writing it. And that's what this is. You know, this show. so much of what, what The Moment is about is about how do you continue and press on and take creative risks. And we wrote Billions uh, on spec without a deal, and every step of the way had to just believe in the possibility that we could get it across the finish line. And then to be able to work with these incredible actors and amazing writing staff, incredible directors, some of whom you've heard talk here, it's been a dream. And then the whole thing, the purpose of the entire thing is then to get people to see it and to have that bigger conversation Uh, With the audience I hope you watched episode one Which was on this week And is still available On demand on Showtime And I hope you watch Episode two of Billions This Sunday night At 10 p.m. on Showtime It's also available On Showtime On Demand Showtime anytime Anywhere else you can get Showtime Billions is available Watch it Let me know what you think of it Today the moment Is brought to you By Billions The following podcast Contains explicit language (laughs) Constable just asked me who I'm thinking of when I'm talking into this microphone, whether I have sort of like an ideal listener. I remember, Dave, being a kid, reading Stephen King. Did you read King at all no. when you were a kid? He would always talk about constant in his essays, constant reader. And I always wondered, well, is he picturing me like some 14-year-old kid? Am I the constant <laughs> you mean, reader? You're Brian. He was pic- picturing Brian. Yeah, was compliment? it me? Am I the constant <laughs> reader? Um, I I'm, I get letters from people who listen to the show, so uh-huh. I have like sort of a sense. So it
1: started to personify a little bit more as you get those letters, and they start to become like an amalgam of
0: all those people. I just your picture voice has
1: changed. Since I just the picture earlier podcasts.
0: Really smart people, engaged people who uh, have uh, in people their like discernment, you. to yourself in their <laughs> discernment have uh, realized that this is the show that they need to give their hour to. Well, this is the moment. Hey, this is the moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. So you did it again. It was fantastic. What's that? what I do? You were just talking to your, your learned listener. I'm talking to them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, today's guest is David Costable. You have seen David Costable. Lately, a bunch of reviews have been saying, uh, you're, one of, you're that guy. You're a guy who's in everything. Yeah. But to me, what you are is the always will be the best uh, actor at my college. And people often say, there's no best. Those people are lying. <laughs>
1: There is. <laughs> there isn't.
0: Uh, it's not a competition, sadly. Is that what you've come to realize? No, I knew that then.
1: I just didn't, you know, I, I was in the competition then, and I thought that that's what you're supposed to do, but
0: then I, <laughs> yeah, found, not... then I found out. Then you realized that there wasn't a competition. <laughs> right. But at the time... But they you're... don't tell you that in the beginning. Back then, you wouldn't have, when we were at Tufts together, you wouldn't have argued if I would have said, uh, oh, Dave Costable's the best actor at our, our college. Yeah, I would have. Would you have meant it? Yeah,
1: sure. Who would you have said? I don't know. Because I didn't think it was a competition, or I didn't want to publicly say it's a competition.
0: Yeah, you definitely mm, right. What? You didn't <laughs> Go want to public- you no, be you didn't honest. Wanna... This is no, your you show. didn't want
1: to publicly say it. But I didn't think it. Certainly didn't think it, and I certainly I was trying really hard. I really meant it. I think when you st- when you start too is like you you, it's it's like in cards. You you either have skill or you don't have skill, and if you don't have skill, you bluff. And the bluff is like you just pretend that you're better than you are because. Because all the people that you you watch doing it are just doing it, and you're like, well, they they pretend like they're really good. Dude,
0: I love that as an answer to the talent question. It's a great answer. But
1: I'm just bluffing until I actually get some, talent, it, it, I, get some I, talent and
0: experience I would so say I know what the fuck yeah, I'm doing. Yeah, i Yeah, because I'd say to people, when, when someone says, I want to be a writer, and, and my opinion of this evolved, but I used to, I think when I was younger, I would have thought, gee, don't say I'm a writer, you know? You didn't. One shouldn't until uh, one has, I would have said, until yeah. one has published X, Y, or Z, or has done what I've come to realize, I believe, is that you have to take your little moments of empowerment wherever you can. 100%. <laughs> and so, like, I don't necessarily ascribe to the idea of, hey, if you want, just want to be a writer, saying you're a writer. But if you're getting up every day and you're writing, fucking call yourself a writer. because yeah, you Go doing ahead. It. You're actually doing it. You're doing it. Don't let someone else define the term.
1: Right. And so when you're starting out and people say, you know, like, you're an actor and you're just starting to do it in college and you're trying, you're, you're doing it, you are in fact doing it, And then... You know, you may not not be doing it at the level that you want or the level that you aspire to or even the level that you think you are. But, you know, with age, you look back on it and you're like, oh, that was embarrassing. What was I doing?
0: No, but it makes sense. It's why I get it. It's why when we all decide, hey, we're going to be in the theater, we sometimes will dress a certain way.
1: (laughs) You knew this was going to come.
0: No, I'm not mocking I you. I knew. It was, you I'm are, not mocking gonna, you get right it out, now. Try it out. Get them all out early, and then we can get to, like, a uh, No, you're talking to somebody. Really I mean, I wore Capizios when I was in high school because I thought that, oh, maybe that means I'm not just a guy who kind of plays on the basketball team. I have this other side uh, to me. You wore Capizios to the basketball game? No, I would wear Capizios everywhere, like dance shoes. Yeah. Really, because David Lee Roth did? Really? But well, we're going to talk about you. Now. All right. Uh,
1: But, yes, I never wore with other than when I tapped. And, of course, I went and bought tap shoes in New York City and thought, like, they were the coolest fucking things I'd ever had. Yeah, mine were tap shoes. Yeah, well, mine were tap shoes because I was tapping in shows at that time.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. You've
1: never seen that. You've never seen that side of me.
0: Season two of Billions, everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. That's going to be episode one. We now know something. We now have <laughs> a, a building block, exactly. a building block for the beginning of season. Damien can tap a little as well. Now we're really putting something together. Yeah, just saying. Um, so let, let's back up and give some context to people. Because, uh, yes, while it's true that you play Mike, Wags, Wagner, and Billions, you have had an illustrious career. You've been working pretty much nonstop since you got out of grad school. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Sort of? Sure. Yeah, there's plenty of downtime. Is that what comes to your mind more than the fact that, that you've worked so much? Because it's not a competition at all that. I'm not going to a, uh, that place at all. But in terms of the like, way an artist thinks about their own pursuit and career, by any definition, you've done better at this game than 99% of the people who've ever tried it.
1: Yes. I think that you absolutely, I absolutely feel that way about what I've been able to do. But it also feels like you're like one and a half turns away from being back and not having any part of that.
0: Oh, that it's cl- You mean it, it always feels precarious? Yeah, sure.
1: That it could go away. That there's or, no sense that people could be like, oh, yeah, I never really liked you. I ne- never really liked that show. And you weren't really good on that. And so we're not going to hire you. And then a, uh, a turn and a half away,
0: you're right. Was you there know, a, like, what are you doing? Oh, like, yeah. Was there, we'll go back to it. But was there a moment before Breaking Bad, uh, you're making a face like, yeah, there sure was. Yeah. Cause I seem to remember you once calling or us being on the phone and there was a question of like, you're like, I have to get a new agent or a new son. We sub- met,
1: you, me and Dave met at like, we had breakfast in LA at one point and you guys just sort of looked at me and you're like, ah, I wish I could help you, dude. Like I had no agent. I was on two television shows. I was on Damages and Flight of the Concords at the same time. No agent. Nobody wanted me. Yeah, we were trying. Nobody was I remember interested. we made calls. Yeah, and
0: they were probably like, they were probably like, nah not that guy no because i remember Um, actually what what was what it was was we made a call to try to help you get a part on a tv show i know now i remember the whole thing so you got a better i won't say it but that was the show and i didn't get it and you called and you were like there's this part and i have a real chance at it maybe
1: i was going to test for it yeah maybe that's what i was like going to test that day or some shit and you guys were like yeah we can make a call about that and then of course i didn't get it
0: no well it was over breakfast in la dude what do you expect an L.A. breakfast is not going to give you. I don't know. You, you, guys, seem, no you really, guys seem, you know, very powerful people. I mean, the second you walked out of there, we forgot all Exactly. Of I mean, <laughs> it was an L.A. Guy? breakfast. Who was that guy? I don't remember him. No, but I do remember turning to Dave after and we driving away and, and feeling like, if I can just indulge in a moment of earnestness. Um, it made no sense that you would even have insecurity about work because you distinguished yourself for such a long time and had done such good work. That That must not have felt very good. It doesn't. No, it doesn't.
1: But that's true. That is the nature of the game. That's the game you're in. You got to suck it up. You got to be willing to be, live with that constant sense of insecurity, really.
0: Is that how you feel now? Uh, Less so. I guess you had already done The Wire by then, but you Mm -hmm. hadn't, you hadn't done the Breaking Bad suits.
1: Yeah, there hadn't been that. I hadn't done Lincoln. You know, there wasn't any, you know, there are definitely moments, you know, I'd always wanted to be in a Broadway show, a Broadway musical. It was my life's dream was to be in a Broadway musical. And I got cast in one. And I realized, like, when that happened, I was like, wow, they can't, they actually can't take this away from me. Like, it, I did it. I did what I wanted to do. And I dreamed about doing this my whole life. And I got to do it. And it was incredible. It was incredible to do. I almost did it. For, I did it for almost two years. 675 performances, I counted. And what show was it? Titanic. Yeah. The musical. And it was a brilliant show and I made brilliant friends and they were, it was an incredible experience for me. And before you gain some, some sort of critical mass on film and TV stuff, people can always kind of shit on what you've done. It's easy to do. It's easy to look at and be like, but what if you, if you've been on more than one show that has been deemed, you know, you're living the golden age of television and you've been on two of the shows that are in the top, what, 10, 20, doesn't matter whatever number it is, you start to look around and be like, oh, well. I was a guy. I did The Wire and Breaking Bad. Um, and it, it does start to make you feel like, oh, well, they actually can't take that away from me. And and I think there are certain things, you know, when when I started in The Wire, I didn't, you know, I didn't know much. And it was one of the very first things that I'd ever done on film. But when I did Breaking Bad, I, I also hadn't watched The Wire before I started. And was glad I didn't because I would have been so much more intimidated walking in there if I yeah. had. But I had watched all of Breaking Bad, so I was terrified when I walked in. But I knew that the writing was... If I just didn't fuck up the writing, I knew
0: that... It would work. It would work. You knew the part. You knew what it was. And you yeah, worked. I just knew that that... Well, I want to go backwards, but before... What, did you audition to get Gail? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I auditioned and Breaking then I Bed. waited
1: for weeks while mm. they, frankly, looked for somebody else, not me.
0: What was it like... Knowing what a big opportunity that was. Because oh, I understand that thing of doing two of those things. There's two shows. I remember when we'd written one show, when we'd written one movie, I kept thinking it could all get taken away until there was a second one. Yeah. Because the second one that got made, now, now there are two dots right. and you can make a line. Yeah, exactly. Now you can make a line and it Right, Because everybody could direction. have
1: looked at rounders and been like, oh, those guys are flashing the pan. They had one movie in one, them and they, one they, they, thing. Were, they were brilliant when they did that, but they can't really do anything else. They don't, what do they know?
0: So I remember that feeling. And I, I remember just getting a second movie made. I knew was like I, it, it enabled me to take a breath. Yeah. So when it's when your audition, you'd done a bunch of stuff, but yes, getting that part on Breaking Bad did change something forever for you. Something binary shifted. What was it like that process of? getting that part like walk me through how that yeah happened. I mean I got the I got an audition and then
1: I found out later how I got the audition and the audition was this big long speech that Gail has to Walt and he's he reads the poem he recites the poem to him and and when I I read it I knew I was like I, I know who this guy is I know I know every part of this world that this guy lives in you know it just felt lucky it let's it felt like one of those things where you there wasn't any it wasn't a guess I wasn't you know when you get most auditions you just guess you like you try to imagine what the writer's thinking you try to imagine what tone they want where they're going but this one was i I just knew it i'm not guessing I'm, i'm doing i'm gonna do this and then i went and i did the monologue and the casting director was like that's great that's great um I think we did it one more time. Was Vince in the room? No, 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 no. It was just on tape in L.A.
0: And were there other people auditioning that day? Probably. Do you notice that when no, you go? No. Generally,
1: no, no. And I, I try not to. I try not to. You pay try just go to and it. do your thing. To me, it's again. It is really. It actually isn't a competition. When you look at it, and, and I've taught for many years, and I, ta- I talk to students about this, and I'm like, you know. They're not. Oh, it'd be like, oh shit! If that guy had straight hair, it would be great. But he's the guy with curly hair, and he's balding. And you're like, oh, we needed the straight hair guy with the balding, who's just like an inch sh- taller. And you're like, really? That's what you needed? It doesn't work like. That. It's not like that. So then I waited, and I had a a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, who was one of the producers and a writer on the show, Sam Catlin, who's an incredible writer. And I was like, what's
0: the deal? Like, I thought so you that were, th- he- were you thinking. You were thinking about it a lot. Oh yeah. Uh, that's right. So you, you did it. You knew you did. Cause sometimes people go, I did it. I went in the room, man. I put my thing down. I walked out of there. Yeah, like, and I
1: usually try to forget right. everything that I've done. I've used, yep. by the time I've gone to the door, I've forgotten what I did. I dropped the sides in the, in the wastebasket and I'm like, That's it's over. It. It's over. I'm never going to get that. It doesn't matter. It's I've already, I've done all the work that I can do. The whole job is finished. It's completed. But this one, I was like, oh, boy.
0: Oh, boy. You found yourself thinking about it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah that one got, got to me. And then also because they, were, they had responded. They were like, oh, really, they really like you. And I You was mean like, you heard
0: that right away?
1: Pretty, pretty much, I think. And then I called my friend, and I was like, can you do something? And he was like, uh, I can't. And I was like, you can't, can't do anything? Come on. But I think that, you know, they were looking for other people. They wanted somebody. I don't know who they wanted. They wanted somebody else. But they didn't get somebody else. They got me.
0: And how did you find out? You got. Did you have to go back again? And, no. And, so it was the first time you saw Vince on set or at a table read?
1: I didn't see Vince, I think, until he directed me in the, spoiler alert, I got killed in the final episode of season three. So you never... Because Vince, because those guys wrote in LA and then they right. shot in Albuquerque.
0: You hadn't had any contact with him?
1: I think I might have spoken to him on
0: the phone. So how'd you find out you got the part?
1: Manager probably called me. Yeah.
0: And then my friend probably called
1: me. And, and me said me like it. it happened. It happened. Yeah. You got it. Did you allow yourself to like really enjoy it? Yeah. It was really exciting. And then to be there. Did you
0: know how many episodes it was going to be? I th- I, uh, yes.
1: Generally, I think. I didn't, I didn't know the full story, but I think they knew the story. I don't think they wanted to tell me the st- full story until later.
0: Yeah, they wanted to get you in there and <laughs> doing your thing. Yeah.
1: Before they're like, oh, by the way, we're also going to blow your face off. So, And then also, because, because I, I think I, I feel like I did a good job. Vince wrote more stuff for us than me in the second season, in the fourth season. Right, which was fun,
0: and it was everything you'd hoped,
1: 100. And that, and it, there are there are very few times in my career, at least, ugh, I hate that word, but in my experience, you hate the word career,
0: career. because then you're suddenly thinking of it as a job the, or, as or business. No,
1: no, no, that right. it actually exists. That there is a way that you can sort of say, well, it's a stepping stone, and then another one, and then another one. And you're like, you're kidding me, right? It's a bunch of lily pads that could sink, and if you step on one, you're about to drown. <laughs> um, so there's, it, it's hopscotch. It's not, uh, it's not a stair, it's not, not a stair unit. You know, and that's when people say, well, like, oh, well, you did this. And now you're, you know, you must be fielding offers right and left. And you're like, you're kidding, man. Right. Um, anyway, so that one in Lincoln, like I, I were the ones that while you were doing it, it felt incredibly special. Like it felt so sometimes the job is really fancy, like really super fancy, just emotionally, internally. And that one was the very first day was the the scene where Brian and I, like, you know, I sort of try to seduce him with my in my little weird gale way. But it was that whole first day and they used that the set that they shot it was the first day that they shot in the lab. So the whole crew was there and it had just been built and they had just like all this fancy material. They were like unwrapping it out of the packaging and, and sort of figuring out how to shoot it and and I, I remember, you know, I, I had I'd had been such a fan of his, of Brian's and uh, <laughs> And I kind of kept my cool together for about like six hours.
0: You just worked, you mean. I was you just, just working.
1: Work. I was just like, hey, nice to meet you. I really love the show. You're great. And he was like, great, fantastic. And he's a very, very nice guy. And we were working and doing the scenes and like I made the coffee for him. And then we had gotten to some sort of, you know, turning around and moving some other part of the scene. And then we were just sitting next to each other in these two chairs and I just leaned up next to him and I was just like, remember in season two, episode 12, <laughs> and you did this thing and I couldn't believe it. And I don't know how you did what you did, but I kept watching it over and over and you were so incredible. And he just kind of got up and just wandered away. Oh, no. And he was, and I was like, oh you no, I fucked Brian it up. chased it away. And my scene partner. And I was like, oh no, Cranston hates me now. Like I blew it. I totally blew it because I fanboyed out on him and I went out of my mind. And then, and then he was, you know, he was fine. He just, I guess he felt like i just needed a moment to calm down and did you guys ever so laugh about light. that
0: later <laughs> I don't know. no no all right so uh dave uh B- a billion says showtime has bought advertising on the pod wow yeah it's great and i got it go it's coming and going how does that work coming and going <laughs> <laughs> this is a, it's good to be the king so damn uh we this is the part where we tell people oh you gotta watch billions watch billions on sunday nights at 10 o'clock on, on showtime
1: because Or on everywhere else Showtime is
0: Yeah, anywhere is, Showtime is You can watch on Showtime anytime Yeah uh, You can watch it on demand The first two episodes are now available on Showtime on Demand And uh, who's in the show with you?
1: Damien Lewis Paul Giamatti
0: Max Siff Bang
1: Malin Ackerman
0: Yes Toby Leonard Moore Condola Rashad, Rashad Which we said in unison Number seven on the call sheet Which even has Maybe is more delicious in its own could way be, Could be Could be Dan Soder The great Dan Soder, who's been twice a guest on this very podcast. Nice, I listen. Together, we sort of, over time, made big Jay Okerson cry. But this isn't about the moment. This is about Billions, our show, which, man, people seem to be digging it, don't they?
1: They do. They do. Created by Brian Koppelman, David Levine, Andrew Ross Sorkin.
0: Listen, we've all worked really hard over this past couple of years to make the show. But who cared? If we worked hard and the show sucked, I wouldn't be telling you to watch it. Yeah. I might tell watch you to watch show, it. I good. might say to watch it anyway, but you would hear in my voice that I knew it sucked, and that I didn't. really That I was just doing it because I had to shill. That's not <laughs> what's going on here. I really like it, and I really want you to come aboard and watch the show Sunday nights, ten o'clock. Billions. Mm-hmm. So let's let's go backwards, and we'll come back to here because I love this idea that you'd always wanted to be in a Broadway musical. Musical. Mm-hmm. I, I will say that you know I, I quickly said at the beginning of this, I mentioned us being at college together, but. We were at college together. We were in one theater class together.
1: It must have been Downing's class.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know, I I just distinctly remember looking at you and I and knowing you were a real actor. And out of, you know, there were probably two or three people at the whole college who somehow had, when they took on a role, when they started to, to do the thing, it... Many of us um, were, had the ability to be glib or to seem comfortable, but then there was this extra thing where mm. the person inhabited it. And, and you did, and you also, it was clear to me, n- now it's clear you were putting yourself uh, under hypnosis to convince yourself that you were that. <laughs> yeah. And that's part of why, you, you know, the way you dressed and the way you carried yourself. But,
1: you make uh, it sound like I was some sort of dandy as I was wandering around. You know, first of all, it was the mid-'80s.
0: That's a non-excuse. <laughs> That's that doesn't that does not that does nothing for me. It was the mid 80s. Yeah. Which to finish the sentence at least. <laughs> well,
1: I, I want mean, to let your listeners imaginations
0: roam. Finish, finish the paragraph. I mean, people actors have worn indoor scarves throughout time to Again, I still indicate think that you're
1: remembering that wrong. I think Vinnie wore indoor scarves all for the time. Sure, there's no I doubt. did not I'm telling you I didn't. Worse, you carried yourself as though you were wearing. That's probably true. I will definitely admit to that. I will definitely admit to that. A scarf. Because, again, I was bluffing.
0: That's what I'm saying. I was like, I don't know.
1: One of my favorite actors was Peter O'Toole. I was like, look at that guy. Look at that guy walks around. I should walk around like Peter O'Toole, I guess.
0: (laughs) That's the thing. I guess that's, that's a, how you do it, but, but you can clearly it that's up. not how you do and it. And I have to say, well. because I, I, it's funny, I, I, I haven't told this story on here. I, we, you know, the other night you and I were together and I told it in front of an audience. I won't tell the part that really embarrasses you, but I will say, because you had left such a... And you and I were not friends. We were friendly at school. We weren't friends. We knew one another and we sort of had like a fun jousting mm-hmm. relationship with one another. But I remembered, and this is, you know, we graduated from college in 88 and there really wasn't an internet that was... Highly functional, like a searchable internet for what, like? I graduated in eight years. Oh, yeah. The all important, I'm an actor, I'm one year younger than you thing. <laughs> great. I'm turning 50, you're turning 49. I I'm hope already, that makes you. Yeah. All right, I just great. It. Good. Happy birthday, thanks. Yeah, happy birthday, Cosmic. I'm still waiting for the present. Um, I think I put you in my TV show. Oh, right. And two, present.
1: two movies? Two movies, correct. I f- and a third one that you really got me, that yeah. you sort of gave
0: to me. I feel that the present's been given. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, just keep them coming as far as I'm concerned.
0: And, no uh, stop, and hell, you've given me you know? the gift in return uh, of being outstanding. But listen, let's pack up. <laughs> Here's the thing about What I want to know is important. All right. Because you were one of the ways in which I measured whether the world was fair. For real. I always say, like, if you work really hard and you're talented, and then you work super hard, you can succeed at what seems to be an unrealistic goal and dream. And I, along the way, picked certain things that I used as measurements of that and you were one of those things and because i remember thinking that guy is supposed to be a working actor that guy is supposed to be somebody who i'll be able to watch for years and years and then because we weren't like uh, close friends we weren't in touch but i would ask people like what happened to that guy dave costable and you know it took a couple of years for you because you went to grad school mm-hmm. and then i wasn't around the theater right. and when the internet first became like a searchable thing There was nothing on it. (laughs) No, but every once in a while, I would fucking search your name. And I would be like, that guy, that guy, Dave Costable, when am I going to see him surface? And if I don't, then either he, like, got fucked up or the world is unjust. And then when it started happening for you and when I saw the Titanic thing and... I remember seeing this picture of you in which you are wearing a scarf 100%. I could show it to look, you. I brought on one internet. today. I brought one today. Uh, but I remember seeing it. I was like, oh, that's it. He's on Broadway. That's happening. And then I kind of tracked from afar and then reached out and wrote you that letter. Mm-hmm. But it, it was it was proof to me because you weren't a leading man. No. You weren't someone who was gifted with... You know, you weren't someone who was gifted... Uh, you didn't wake up and look like Aaron Eckhart one morning. No. You looked more like a... know re- like a regular person. That's true. And so it was like, well... Can total focus, commitment, and talent win out? That's right. That's w- for, for me. And 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 you know the way we got together professionally was "Solitary Man," our two thousand and nine movie we made in two thousand and nine. Um, the part there's a part in it that's really heavily based on me. I, I wrote know. it, directed it with Dave. And uh, I remember I reached out to you to to. No to
1: one's po- ever done that to play me. You're the only other person. You're the only person in the world that's ever done that. Done what? Been like, hey, I want to I want to work with you, like. I like what you do. Well, that can't still be the case. You work all the time. All person, right, it's not personal in that way. It's not like I'm I'm looking out for that person, you know, slowly over decades. And then they're like, hey, I want to work with that guy.
0: Well, yes, that's a weird. But that that is also like um, uh, there, there's something weird about it. Yeah, there's something weird about you for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, no, but it seemed like, oh, uh, and I remember saying to you, like, I, I don't, I didn't tell you the first day we met about it. But I remember right before, before we shot, I definitely said, by the way like you're kind of playing a version of me right. of who I was at a certain point. And I just knew you'd understand it somehow. Yeah. And you did. You're terrific in that movie. Uh and um and I remember standing there and feeling I always think surreal is an overused word because mm-hmm. people are like, uh oh my God, I bowled a one eighty two, it was so surreal. It's right. so, you know, <laughs> like that is no, surreal. You know, it's not surreal. It's just you had a really good game. <laughs> While dancing on a giraffe. <laughs> yeah. Right. And now we're getting to be real. But I remember off. that one. And was I put s- it back surreal. on. Um, but but let's go back to what was the thing that I saw when I first met you, this guy who was pre in a way predestined to it. What was the thing that you saw as a kid? Like, do you remember when this idea formed for you that I wanted to do
1: it? Yeah, I guess I'd, I, I've I've recently been asked that question, and I I come up with that, that my answer is lame. So I'll start by saying that I'd always I knew that I wanted to do it, and I always felt like I would just do it. And my parents were incredibly kind to me in that they just said you should do what you want to do and when i grew up up outside of dc and uh, when i did musicals in high school and you know also worked in like community theater doing musicals in the summer and uh you know it was an awesome way to meet girls and it was fantastic and there was a point when like in my senior year of high school like i had auditioned for hamlet at the folger shakespeare theater and i got cast in like the second grave digger and my parents sort of said, and I, and I had to choose between doing that and doing a play at high school, a musical in high school. And my parents were like, you can do this for the rest of your life if you want. If you're in high school, be in high school. Just do the thing that you're doing. Don't worry about trying to become a professional actor. If you want to, do it. But if you don't, but, but do, it, do what you're doing right now. And it was great advice. And then I went and did it.
0: You, you did the show at the Folger. Or you did no, the high school I, show. I did the high school show. Why was that the right advice?
1: Because there was something about, frankly, living in the moment, really being doing what it is that you set out to do, rather than feeling like, oh, there's something better, there's something more. If I, you only, mean, than, only, rather
0: than chasing accomplishment? Yeah, if I
1: was only doing that, then I would really be doing it. And I think that that's. I'm sure you found that in your career, and I've. Certainly found that myself. So that like when you when you set out to do something, do it, finish it, and then decide if that is actually the thing that you. But what was
0: doing. the thing you were setting out to do? Why wasn't Hamlet a ver- Why wasn't Hamlet a version of what you wanted to do?
1: Because I think that there is. I think that because there wasn't any singing. No, because I think that there was. You know, somebody said, "Oh, you got to work." You know, you're in high school and you're working as a professional. Uh, you're yeah. working at a big a big theater in Washington D.C. Nobody knew that I was doing a musical. I was doing George M. in high school. Didn't, like. But the reason to do it is for yourself. The reason isn't to do it for somebody else.
0: And that part it. was more. For, I mean, the thing you got to do in the high school show was more fun, or you wanted yeah. to finish with those people yeah. and be a part of yeah. it. Yeah, you really felt like
1: you got to do this thing, and you know, it was the completion of your career, that career. Their
0: when career, you got this notion like that you there. wanted to do it, and I know the you know self facing and the thing you said about faking it because you didn't have the talent, but like there has to be a moment, I think, or and I'm not using the word the mo- mm-hmm. moment like in a loaded way, but there has to be uh, an instant where. You do the thing and something happens inside. There's some kind of almost fusion or something. Like something has to, or, you know, like a, something has to happen. Yeah, sure. Do you remember what that was? Do you remember doing the thing and, it, and the endorphins firing?
1: Yeah, yeah. And on stage it's easier because you... Because you can actually feel it. You can feel it from the audience. I just remember, just it happened. It happened a number of times in high school, and my my high school was a very old high school, and was it was a so the theater had been was built in like 1892 or something like that. And so it's a great old theater, and it's got a lot of history. You can feel the sort of historical import of it all, and it felt, you know, important in some way. Yeah, and I think that was something that I really loved. I loved being a part of the sense of like people going back and continuing to try this and do this and try to entertain people. And, you know, there's nothing like having a spotlight on you and singing a song and everybody listening to you and looking at you and really feeling like you can carry the tune over and people look at you and they're like, yeah, way to go, dude. And that became, you know, something you chased for a long time.
0: What was the re- what was your sort of so that's when you would put on your cape but like what was what was
1: the right see it goes from cape it started with the scarf an indoor scarf like start, then it was a metaphorical
0: ind- indoor scarf now it's a cape
1: I didn't have a cape never had a cape
0: your Superman top cape. hat top hat. I'm just saying that and that that your, that's your superpower but what was your Clark Kent like uh, life like in other words when you weren't what was your your high school life or childhood. Like when you weren't performing, were you, did you feel, I was just Oh, like, like a nerdy kid. Right. Well, did you feel like, Oh, I'm an artist? No, no. You felt like a nerd. Did you have friends?
1: Yeah, yeah. I had friends. Like I was the kind of guy who could sort of like go between the jocks and the nerds and the theater geeks. And, the and I sort of was like a drifter because I was, I could be funny. So I would say I would tell, I could tell them jokes and, not like jokes, jokes, like...
0: No, but you can, you can amuse them, yes, actually. Yes, yes.
1: I was an entertaining guy, so... And
0: you were conscious of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because initially, you know, it started off, like, when I was a little little kid. Like, I was a teeny little kid, so... In order to not be bullied, you have to learn how to entertain the bullies. And you can make fun of them to their face, which was really... Enjoyable.
0: You figured that out at a certain point. Yeah. But you didn't feel like... Like, were you the friends... Did you have a... Were the friends that you had... When did you start making sort of theater friends? Or did... Because like sometimes people who become artists for their mm-hmm. lives, I guess they have that outsider feeling, which maybe you did because sure. you said you were floating sure. a- around. Sure. But when you started doing theater, did you, did a party, you feel like, oh, I'm home with this group of people? Yeah,
1: certainly. And certainly in college, the, the my theater friends were, you know, we were, it was a very close-knit group. And it was actually something that we eventually went and the majority of us started a theater company up in Albany, New York and... You know, we were going to change the world with free Shakespeare in Albany.
0: So that was, but it wasn't until Tufts, you're saying, that you found the real theater community? I mean,
1: there was, you know, there were small pockets and you would find them. I did this community theater for a couple summers and you really felt like you were doing something with those people. When when you had this
0: idea that you were going to become an actor, you said you told your parents. A lot of people wouldn't. So your parents must have been, you must have had in some way trusted them. Yeah. They weren't going to like break, you know, break your heart when you said that. Yeah. And it wasn't going to break their heart that yeah. you wanted to do it. Yeah. What did they do? Uh, both my parents are uh, are librarians,
1: and my mom had been a performer. My sister's an opera singer. And there was enough sort of peppered in that there wasn't. It wasn't the most totally out of left field.
0: Were they librarians in the same place?
1: No. My my dad owned his own business. He was a library consultant, and my mother, um, she did a bunch of different jobs, and then eventually she she eventually worked for the National Library Association on the Hill. She was a lobbyist for libraries.
0: They were, they were librarians plus, kind of.
1: Yeah, they're not in the stacks. That's a good bumper sticker for a librarian to have. Not in the stacks. <laughs>
0: not in the stacks. So, <laughs> this is open to interp- a lot of interpretation. Sure. So, did uh, did you tell other people that you wanted to be an actor? Yeah. Not ashamed. How how would that go over, I generally? should be. The way you're looking at me, I suppose it, I should have been. Well, I guess what did you, you know, I guess the question is, like, what did you envision the actor's life to be when you would say that? No idea.
1: There was no, I mean, just there wasn't any sort of... Any sense at all about what it was or what it could be, or you know, I I used to come like my for my birthday present. I always wanted to see. I wanted to come to New York and see musicals. Yeah, and so that's what my parents would do. They would take me to a musical, and we would go like in the dead of winter and come up here and see a musical. I loved it, and I guess I had always imagined that that was the thing. Like. Could you do that? Like, I didn't even know. You mean what mean, you that would see looks. an actor
0: walk out of the theater or something. No, no, just, no, stand just by like the...
1: standing, like looking, just
0: watch, just being in the theater and seeing it was just like electric. To ah, that's incredible. fascinating. You know, Thomas McCarthy, who your colleague uh, sure. from The Wire, right, sure. he has a very similar experience. Oh, really? He told the story on the show of his birthday, wanting to come in and see a show, and he and his his family, like that, would be the thing that yeah. they would do. Yeah. So, so I
1: got. So then, eventually, I auditioned on. Um, because you used to, I don't know if you do this much anymore, but I auditioned for, you used to audition for Broadway plays on the theater, on the stage. So I auditioned on the Schubert Theater stage where I saw Chorus Line originally and told the story to, I even said, I came out and I was like, listen, sorry, this was the first this the first theater, I'd first Broadway theater i ever been in. And I was like, I just got to do this. And it was, the set was for Chicago and I was auditioning for um, James Lapine. And... I ran around in a circle and I screamed and I went, woo and I finished and I was like totally psyched. And I look out in the audience and they're just stone face.
0: Oh, just
1: brutalized. Like, fuck you. Get off the stage, go to hell. And I was like, wow, that's awful. So then maybe like six years later, I went and auditioned for Mike Nichols for Spamalot, same theater, same stage. And I knew, um, the choreographer and he was like, he was like, hey, tell me that, tell that story about when you did the when no. you did this, and he said, do it, show us what you did, and I was like, no, no, you don't want to see that, and he was like, no, we really do, and it was like at the point where we're like now you just have to and Mike sitting in the audience, yeah, 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 Mike yeah. Nichols, and they're all sort of like, they're like, oh great, this is going to be a fun story and funny, and then I did it and I ran around the stage again like woohoo and. And they all sort of blankly stared at me like you're doing right now. They were just like, that's that's not fun or funny. You did or, it
0: again? Yeah, because I was the like... the fuck I, is the matter with because, you? Because he kept
1: saying, he was like, you have to do it. You have to do it. And I it was like, no, no, I don't have to do it. I really, sh- let's just sing the song. I don't, I shouldn't do it. It's not going to be, it's not fun. It's not good.
0: Also, once you had that feeling about it, there's no way it was <laughs> going to be good. I know, I know. It was It's like, we you just tell that joke and you go... No, no, no! I, I, please don't make me do it. Can't! I don't even remember. You know, there's a. I know there's a setup to the pump right before the punch. I have to, and I don't remember it. And they go, "You'll be fine. (laughs) You'll be fine." Just yeah, yeah. And and then
1: nope. Exactly. That's exactly what it was, bro. Yeah. So if I have to go in and do it again, from now on, I guess if I ever audition in the Schubert Theater again, I'm going to just keep doing it.
0: Well, no, not yet. 100%. Now it's going
1: to be incredible because I've got two stories to tell and be like, you know what? The third time's a charm. Here we go. But so you did the first time you honored you. Look, I think uh, there's just, something very uh, powerful. Totally, just personal. I didn't care what it meant. I was like, I am going to enjoy this. This is the most incredible thing that I get to be on this stage where I saw my first Broadway play. Was incredible to me. I, I mean, so yeah,
0: it's excited. awesome that you did it. You know, I, I haven't t- t- told this on here, but, but when I was... So, like, if I, if I look at all the different reasons that I b- do what I do and, and everything, sometimes I might leave out in telling the story, though my dad would say, like, nothing really had a bigger influence on Levine and me than Harold Ramis and Bill Murray and Stripes, uh-huh. which I'm sure you can understand. I mean, sure it makes a lot of sense sure. to you, having seen us a sure. lot. Duh. And I always promised myself when I was a kid that if I ever saw Bill Murray... Oh, I would do the speech from Stripes. Oh boy! I definitely promised myself that when I was fifteen. Like well, if <laughs> see, Bill Murray. It doesn't matter where. Oh no! I'm doing the speech, and well, you got to go forward. You know, eighteen years. Sure. And um, at a Nick game. And I'm I'm in the move. I'm I'm I've made movies. I'm like uh, sure. somebody who does this yeah. for a living. Yeah. And I see Bill Murray like six rows in front of me. And you can't do it? No, I made myself do it. Wow. Nice. At a Nick game. I went up to him. Mm. And I said, Mr. Murray. And he turned around. And I just went, chicks dig me. Because I really were underwear. What I do to you. And the whole speech. The whole speech. Lee Harvey, you're mad. The whole speech. You Your friend stole the cow. Your friend trying to make it with the cow. I want to party with you, cowboy. You and me together. Forget about it. <laughs> and he looked at me. And he kind of cracked up. And I said, I promised myself when I was 14, so I had to do it. And he said, hey, man, I understand. And then, you know, looked around like wanting to be rescued.
1: Sure. And then did you let him off the hook and you're like, so I'll leave you alone. See you
0: later. I walked off. Yes. I turned around and walked right away. I was so psyched. And then uh, like a year later, two years later, a friend invited me to dinner with him. And I did not tell him that I was that guy. Oh, why not? Because I didn't have the guy. I don't have your, you know why? Because I'm not going to run around the fucking stage twice. Because like, you, because you the stage. actually want to get the job, I'm gonna you're run smarter around the
1: stage one time, one time, and then <laughs> I'm not gonna double down,
0: I'm you know not me. gonna do it again.
1: You know me, I'm always ready for a parlay, always.
0: Well, so you're saying from the you, <laughs> once, once was plenty, I thought. The next time, no. I think I tried to mention every book I'd ever read and <laughs> seemed like a sophisticated person, sure. But when you say you had no idea what the actor's life was going to be, so but you must have had. You must have closed your eyes and had some fantasy. Was it, I'm living in Manhattan and I'm walking to the theater every day?
1: No, I don't think I was smart enough to do that. I think also, you know, that the people that I watched, I watched, you know, actors at, in the, at the arena stage and and those guys who did, you know, back then there were regional theater companies that you could live in a place and you could do like a comedy and then a tragedy and a musical and all of these things, and they were incredible. They were like gods to me. I was like, how did those people do that? So you any know, of that would amazing. have been fine Yeah, Yeah, that would you. have been
0: incredible. I mean, I remember at college, did you know, oh, ahead of me... Were had Platt and Azaria made it yet?
1: They were sort of on. They had just started. Didn't Oliver go first, and then those guys were starting to to go up the ladder, and they were
0: because people would talk about. Yeah, yeah,
1: like that. People they were known. Like because I wasn't in school with them, so so they they had
0: no. Nor the was I. Hank graduated, I think, before right you. before I started. Right, and we're we're, we're friends now, but I didn't right. know him then. But I remember hearing about. Him. Yeah,
1: yeah, but. Well, you would hear about it and be like, "Oh, wow, those guys made it. They did it. They they're they're really And so doing would it.
0: that make you Yeah. Like so by the time you got to college, you were were you plotting it? Like did you say to yourself, "I'm going to live my life. Had you made a decision you were going to be an actor?" Yeah. What? You had. Yeah, yeah. Firm.
1: Oh, yeah. 100%. All in. I knew that I had like a really deep feeling about it. Like I really wanted. I I needed to be part of that community. Um,
0: yeah. What do you think that was? So that's, so I get the first endorphin hit, you do the show, people in the audience yeah, like yeah, you, sure. but then it's somehow deepened for you. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. And wh- have you figured out what that magic thing is? Is it the moment when you can just disappear or you're hyper present? Like what's the,
1: I, I don't know. I, I think it was like a, an accumulation of things where you see, you saw enough things. I saw like Anthony Cher do Richard the Third, and was just, and can remember like, so much of it. And like, he was incredible to me. It was like he was a god or something, like what he could do with his body. And then I saw the Mahabharata that Peter Brook had done and I read, you know, I was a theater geek so I wanted to read, I had read The Empty Space and it was over and over and over and um, not that I could tell you a single word of it now but uh, like those people, the people who had spent their whole lives trying to do this seemed so admirable to me and they were making things that were so profound and when I saw them they were incredible that I just wanted to be to do it, just to be
0: close to people like that, and then when you started to really get to do it, did it live up to it for you? Did you feel like you were honoring it, and that it was
1: there there are there have been certain times when working with certain artists that really felt like i can I can do this i can I can you know working with someone like Tony Kushner, where you felt like the dumbest person in the room and you could still hang out with them was incredibly fun to me like. Being what show, around What show was that? Uh, Carolina Change. And, you know, George Wolfe and Janine Tsori the three people sort of made that piece, which to me I think is one of the most extraordinary pieces, certainly, that I'd ever been in. And it was extraordinary to be around people who are geniuses and just to s- sit there and just feel like a jerk in the back. But, and they would kind of look at you and be like, can you do that? And
0: you'd, you're like, I can certainly try. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know if I can. But and you loved your try. trying. Yeah, yeah. W- did the uncertainty part of it grind at you then? the economic uncertainty, the life uncertainty?
1: You know, I mean, I'm a gambler, so um, I've always been happy for that kind of insecurity, that that sort of like, let's gamble, let's try it.
0: That felt part, it was part and parcel of
1: the game. So it's like, you want to be in that game, that's the game. Like, don't be in the game if that's what
0: but did that help? I mean, you didn't get married and have a child till much later than many people. Correct. And do you think that part of that you didn't meet the right person, you know. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, you met your wife long before you, yes. uh, got together really mm-hmm. or got married. But do you think part of it was like, um, the De Niro character in Heat, who was like, That's the discipline if you want to live this life, you have to, I mean, not I have it, those attachments? I, I, no,
1: I don't think so, but I do think it makes it. I think the game, certainly now having a family, it makes the you've moved to the high stakes room in a way that I hadn't been before, you know. You can lose a bunch of if it's just you. And you don't, you have to go without, it if you you don't get the, you don't, you're not going to be able to travel. You're not going to be able to, you know, change your clothes for a year and a half. You're like, well, that's all right. What's the difference? But when yeah. you have a family, you have more responsibility, it gets, it's, uh, you're, you're playing way above your means. And that's intense.
0: That it, is an it intense. Had family. you, and anteci- that's part you hadn't really anticipated. Correct. Yeah. You, you can't know that until it happens. Yeah. No, you're stuck. in I mean, then you're just in it. Well, now you're in it. Now you're really playing. So you can't, no, and it's, you can't give up. Well, it's the high-stakes game, uh, and it's a high-stakes game that you have to find a way to win. Yeah. And it, even though it's not built for you to win. So I hear. <laughs> and so do you let that, do you let that uh, affect you in your choices? Because for a long time, you were able to just make choices based on what you wanted to do, right? Correct. You know, you wouldn't necessarily go, ta- like go audition for a dumb thing. You know, you'd try to get stuff you could right. work on, which must have felt very free, I imagine. Yeah. Like, you must have felt like you were actually living a free life for a long time.
1: Yeah, sure. It's incredible. It's a great feeling to be able to just like, no, I don't want to do that. But primarily because you, you, you know, one of the things, both my parents have said this for a long time. And, and, and I think it's something that, that can, can work for some people. I don't think it is prescriptive, but when you say to yourself, like, well, what do you want? people come to you all the time they say well I want to do this and then then you be like okay well tell me specific be really specific about what it is that you want because I can come up with any number of scenarios that it would approximate what you just said that I want to be a writer and be like great so here are pharmaceutical pamphlets that I need you to write actually it's yeah. really not a pamphlet it's more like an in-house journal but you're a writer I'm pay you you're a writer professional writer I'm paying you to write words every day and be like yeah but that's not what i meant and be like that's what you said and i think like when you can be specific with yourself about like what is it that you want to do what do you want to do and then you're able to try to get it that's all there is right i mean that's
0: yeah that's the that's idea. like and for the more specific an artist can be about exactly the what defines i actually have that written down it's like the next thing i was going to ask you is how did you decide to define success for yourself and how's that changed over time
1: i mean i think it's only till recently where i've been able to Give voice to exactly what it is that I want. And then when you get those things, it's confusing. Why? Because you got to come up with something else. Because you don't know what else.
0: That but you... what is it that you want? Like, what? Do you, when you say you were only recently able to really define it, how would you define it? I,
1: I had said specifically what I wanted. and it's, Which was? I, I wanted to be a series regular on a television show that shoots in New York City where I feel like I'm integrated in the story and be paid well for it. Right, and so I've come. Uh, th- you've given me this opportunity to be in part of in, in to achieve this dream of mine, and now I'm like, right. And we'll what comes now? Yeah. What do you do, dude? Well, hopefully, we got,
0: hopefully, this is a number we'll, of years. We'll do that again. Yeah,
1: <laughs> um, but that really was something that I had spent because I had spent a lot of time doing lots of TV shows and doing them all over the world, and that felt incredible. But at the same time, I knew I wanted to be have a family and be at home. I love the city that we live in, and I wanted to be here doing something, and, and there wasn't really that opportunity for me.
0: Ah, it's so awesome that that's... It's incredible. That you were able to sort of throw that out into the air.
1: You know, as my agent said to me the other day, he's like, you know, everybody's going to hate you because you got you got this golden prize that nobody gets to get. Nobody gets to be... Nobody gets to have what you have. You're like, right.
0: You've put true. in a lot... I mean, you've put
1: in the ye- time. I have, I have done some time <laughs> trying to do it, yeah.
0: To get there, and i wa- and watching closely, you know, I've, the way that you've worked at it, it's not like you got the gig and then you take it for granted, you know, when you first signed on to this, your character was one thing and then the character shifted slightly and together, we figured out the ways in which that was going to happen. And I wonder how you keep yourself, you know, I, you, we've talked, um, plenty about being present and alert and really in the, in the moment, Mm -hmm. actors talk about that all the time. Can you articulate what that really means and how you apply it sort of in terms of like shaping your whole work day as an actor? Yeah in In that you're able to really just be receiving what comes so that you can react to it, Can you talk about how you think about that? You know, I think it comes for it's both it's both sort
1: of you know creative and it's also business stuff. You know one of the things that was easy about the easy about the decision was that I trusted you guys. So it didn't matter what you were going to make because I knew I should just trust you. And whether I could or did trust you didn't even matter. It's that I could that i I did trust you. So you started on down a path and then you changed course based on lots of different reasons that were, they that, were, actually were, that arc- were some that were clear, that were some that were yours. And I was like, great. Okay. We're well, now we're moving in that direction. And I think that, that also, you know, when I, when I went to graduate school, there was this great teacher, this guy, Paul Walker, and who's now no longer with us. And he was an extraordinary games teacher He taught play theater, theater games. games. Um, and Paul did this thing. And I ended up trying to teach what Paul taught me for years, but Paul was a genius and I'm not. So he taught you this sense of that you had to assume your own brilliance. And he made you feel that way. He didn't tell you that. He just made you feel. And it doesn't mean that you have to assume that you are brilliant. It means that you have to assume your own brilliance. And that sense of an internal brilliance that is yours and that the way you encounter it is only through assumption. You don't work at it. You don't try you don't long for it, you just assume it, is part of that, for me, part of that tension. If I start with that, I'm able, much more able to listen to you. Because you're not scared. I'm not afraid of anything. What would I be afraid of? I'm brilliant. Well, no, (laughs) no, I'm not brilliant. I am assuming assuming my my own brilliance. And I'm able to listen to you in a really compassionate way. And if you're somebody who is interested in, in collaborating, because you work, I've worked with plenty of people, as you have, who are not that interested in collaboration. And But when you find people, which I find is rare in your life, that are actually interested in making something, making something that's outside of them. So you write something, and then you give it to somebody else. And in this case, you give it to 200 people, and all of them have an opinion about what you've made. But at the center of it, what you're interested in is being like, okay, well, let's what are we going to make? There are plenty of other people, writers, certainly directors who are incapable of that feeling of like, I don't know what it is. Let's let's figure it out. Let's you and me figure it out. But it requires like a real sense of I want to listen to you. I want to listen to everything that you're saying. And it's hard because then you get there are certain people that come into the room and they don't. They do things to you that are painful and hurtful. And they don't because they're not interested. In you witch. mean
0: other actors
1: or No, sometimes other directors? actors, less, time, less actors, more often directors. Sometimes it's, you know, somebody like a DP um, right, who a comes in yeah. and, and somebody who just does something to you that, that you're like, wow, you're, just, you're not interested in my exploration or my being present with what's happening
0: right now. So how do you fight um, through that? How do, you, how do you keep yourself? Because your presence on a set, it's not you're not a cut up, though, if somebody if you need to re- help people release the tension, you will. You can. That's I get it from being a kid, knowing, ha- learning yeah. how to do that,
1: and certainly my role in this show. I spend a lot of time doing that because
0: I'm yeah. A- well, the character, the character, the stuff. character yeah. I- uh, serves that function in the fictional construct, and uh, there
1: is a conscious effort while one's doing that to sort of say, "I'm going to have fun now," in order to lighten the spirit of this particular room or make everybody have fun. Or-
0: yeah. So how do you balance that? Just as a craftsman, hmm. how do you balance that with the need for precision at times. <laughs>
1: I, I think it's interesting because I, I I listened to your podcast and I heard you dogging me out with Maggie Sif.
0: Oh, uh, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah, I knew
1: that. I knew that. So I came prepared.
0: I think there are. Uh, I, I I think we were celebrating you, not dogging you out.
1: Yeah, we well, were sort
0: of celebrating. Yeah, it was uh, it was a
1: little. It was almost Trumpian in its way. You're, you're just like you're like you're like yeah no he's terrible no he's great I mean he's great I don't know maybe it's what I hear other people say so I don't know it's possible. I think it's great, though. It's great. You know, sometimes, sometimes you, it, when, when you are the main mover in a scene, when the action is on you to move this scene forward, you're driving the scene, you're driving the action of the scene. You need to be able to drive and you need to be able to drive in lots of different directions all at once. And if somebody says you thought you were going to go right and they say left, you got to go left. And your ability to maneuver the car at that point needs to be precise and you need to be, you need to be at, as at ease with, frankly, the person in front of you's decision as the decision that you were leaving. I wanted to go right. You want to go left. And now I'm like, yes.
0: Yeah, how do you assume that, right? How yes. do you then...
1: Right. How do you assume that? And sometimes the people that say that stuff to you, you're, you don't like their opinion. right? Or you don't value it. And that is potentially very painful and unpleasant to do. Yes. And then that becomes part of the moment. that that Then you're just like, great, now we're doing something that is deeply unpleasant to me.
0: And that will show up in the, you'll allow that to surface Should, or that if may I'm, surface.
1: If, if I'm doing my job well, I can, but if I'm a, too afraid, I won't. Why? What's, what do you mean if you're doing your job
0: well? You mean if you try, if you're able to just allow yourself. Yeah, it's a crappy idea. So I'm enjoying
1: this crappy idea. We're going to do this crappy idea. What do you think of that? And people are like, what are you doing? And be like, what am I doing? What am I doing?
0: Right. Now, can you get, so I can understand how you can get to that space. Comfortably, Right. That is the more Un-
1: controlled, precise version. Yes. You version get to that you... place
0: comfortably in our, in our world because you're a series regular, you're with a bunch of people you trust and like. Sure. Some director or person or craftsperson comes in, says something stupid, you're yep. going to go with it for the minute. Sure. And I can say, but what happens if you're working with Daniel Day-Lewis and Steven Spielberg? Right. And, you know, which you're uh, you know, great in that movie and you get to work with a person who people largely think is the, our greatest sure. uh, talent. How are you in that spot able to remain loose? I mean alive, I th- alert. I think
1: you just have to you just have to put yourself in that position. It's really that was crazily terrifying. Right, because if I screw up and if all of a sudden you come up and you're be like, ah, you don't even know your lines and you're be like, I do know my lines. But I'm I you know, part of my own part of my weird process is that when I started out, as you have said, like I, I was, you know, when you start out, you want to get it right. You think oh. that the you think that the only way to, to 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 imagine or to create something is to look describe what I'm doing with my hands. That yeah, you look towards a, a vector, point, right? Like a, yeah. you're, you're looking you're towards a, a right angle point, point, with your right? two uh, hands, yeah. right? So then, if I get to that point, then I'm going to achieve what I'm I'm going to achieve the goal. I'm going to get the character. I'm going to get the scene. I'm going to hold it in my hands. And then when I get older, that you realize the only way to do it is to go that way, right? Out, out, out. 180 degrees in both directions, so far that you can't see where you're
0: going. Well, you're making an open gesture, too, with you're making a, you know, your arms are extended out wide, and you're basically open and allowing the winds to take you.
1: But you have to imagine both ways. Like, some people go this way, and some people go that way. And if you can do both of those things all at once, you allow yourself to be like, I can, I, I don't come with a point of view, or I come with a point of view, I come with a point of view that is, that is founded and deeply internal, but. At some point, somebody's going to say, especially depending on the number next to your name on the call sheet, somebody's going to be like, "Nope, do this," and you're going to be like, "Ah, I thought it was so much this, and you think it's so much that." But if you're if you're able to just be like, "Sure, yeah, we can do yeah. it that way. Why not do it that way? It's an option, and you're in charge. So why not let so that that's be a great the way, option?"
0: That's a great way to avoid feeling a sense of failure, which is like then this bad result, you know, this bad result, and they're like. Uh, I mean, you can
1: certainly look at your own work and be like, that's not adequate. And you spend – I certainly spend most of my time looking at yourself – like that. You know, and the other thing, this is the, the other aspect of it. Is so, so then you say, OK, how do you get to that point where you sustain where you sustain a vulnerability and yeah, not knowing that's right? And sometimes that includes the words. So it, it includes the words being one of the last things you do, because if you allow yourself, somebody says, OK, this scene is takes place with two guys sitting in a chair and be like, actually, the director comes in and be like, I actually want you leaning against the thing. And you're like, you want me to lean? You want me to do a radio interview where I lean against the wall? That's stupid. You're like, wow, how am I going to do this? And it's going to take me too long to get my brain around doing this scene against the wall. You know what I mean? So yeah. then I have to relearn the scene with me against the wall. It's if, to you had, the if, you had,
0: if you had hardwired the words to yourself, it would have come Correct. with... It would Being have come chair, with slouching in the chair, imagining a whole bunch yeah. of other stuff. So you've
1: imagined these whole, whole set of circumstances around sitting in a chair that are now totally different, and especially if you do not have a great re- sense of re- a great responsibility in the scene, on some level you are the you are the one that needs to be the most flexible. You walk into work. There's a number next to your name. There is a place that you fit in the puzzle. And part of figuring that out is that you have to figure out how malle- malleable, malleable. malleable that you can be, and how much you can, how much you get for yourself. And sometimes, the lower the number, the more you get for yourself. The higher the number, the less you get for yourself. Why? Just because that's the way it is. Like that, there's just too many pieces in the puzzle, and you, your puzzle piece may not be that big. You mean because if,
0: if you're number one and you have to on the call sheet, and you have to be driving all the action? Yeah. You're driving your the the responsibility action. is so great that you have to function sometimes.
1: Because you're in the majority of the scenes, because your arc is the clearest, because the audience is going to sit with you and that character for so long. We have to see to see each part of yours.
0: Yeah, you said to me once, you said um, you're number six on our uh, call, our two actors are. Yeah, number or, six, number six. You're number six on the yeah, call yeah, sheet. Six. Uh, and you said to me, you called once and you went, I just want you guys to know, I have the perfect number. Six, yeah, is exactly, six is exactly. I love being number six, six on the is call. Six an incredible sheet. number. Yeah, you were like, this is exactly where I want to be on the show. Who doesn't want to be six? Yeah, but wh- I get to you know in this show, I
1: also get to be the icing. Everybody loves icing. Everybody can complain about the cake. The cake's too this. It's too that. But who's going to say it? like, I the icing's got too much sugar on it? Go fuck yourself. Come on, man. What's well, right. icing? It's four. It's you want that guy. That that part is around and you. I, I certainly feel that when I walk into the scenes and I read the scenes and I'm just like, oh, man, that's so much fun. You get to do that. You
0: well, you yeah, know, but it's great for guy. us to be able to write. I mean, look, uh, part of what we figured out when we had that conversation very early on and we decided to take the character in a specific direction was like Dave and I trying to figure out how and what we wanted to write for you. Yeah. Right. And we were like, how can we write something that Dave can soar with? But also there are very few people who would have.
1: I would never, have, if I had to audition for this for anyone else, I'd never get cast. A hundred years,
0: I'd never get cast in that role. No one would ever cast me. I don't know that that's true. Because you've worked all the, I mean, I don't know. I, I still think that, you, I, I believe you can assume your brilliance in the scene, but I think when you step out of it, sometimes you have a hard time thinking other people recognize it. That's fair. Yeah, what's that about?
1: I don't know, I have to have my sh- ask my shrink. <laughs> I think too, you know, you 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 know, either it's real humility or it's false humility. Sometimes it's it's one or the other, sometimes it's a little bit of both. You know, I I know that I'm in an incredibly privileged position to be able to pursue what I want to pursue and do it at the level that I I'm doing it and now live a more secure life than I've ever lived before, which is incredible. Like that doesn't happen for the majority of people who try to do this
0: yeah i mean i i watched 13 hours over the weekend uh and you have a big part in that mm-hmm. movie and you know somehow michael bay saw it and realized yeah i want this guy to play this really central role yeah and i thought the work you did was really really interesting and really good Thanks. and different than a lot of your other i mean you played it you really brought this guy
1: although as some reviewers have said that i'm the go-to prissy bureaucrat
0: okay why do you know that Because I read the reviews. Why do you know that some reviewers have said you're the go-to prissy bureaucrat?
1: Well, I I think it's more
0: than once. Or maybe it was just reprinted. And so you notice that more. So, for instance, in the reviews for Billions, and uh, I'm happy to say our show is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) People really seem to like it. But uh, almost all of the reviews Uh single your work out positively Mm -hmm. and have really said – you may say it's because you're the icing – I say it's because you're doing exceptional work in the show. But they really single you out. Like, uh, Dave Costable is killing it right, on, right. Uh, uh, on this show. But you came in here, and it was clear you are like, hey, did you see that one review where the guy, or whatever? And I like, so, what? <laughs> is like, that an impersonation of me? I like I saw, it. Like, I saw, like, one. <laughs> I mean, there's, like, one review that dinged you out of out of 100 reviews. Sure. And, uh, you know, let's say there are 100 reviews of the show. Uh, 75 of them happen to mention how good you are. Yeah. One and in very prestigious places. Right. One uh, at some magazine that's going to be out of business in five minutes, and that you kind of grab onto that because you go, oh, "Have you seen the? Have you seen the things people are?" And I was like, "Well, you're talking about the one bad thing," and you are like, "Well, what is that?" I mean, you know, I try to
1: discount reviews as much as I can. I try not to. I, so certainly why do when, you read them? Well, in in TV and film, it's easy to read them because it's done. So there isn't any sense of it being like. It's going to affect you in theater. I never read them. I wouldn't read them at all. You
0: wouldn't read till you close.
1: Till you close, and then I read them, um, but not while you're doing it. It's you just too read hard. them
0: now, just out of like uh, cu- curiosity. Yeah. Like how's, this, how's it? How's And also because I want to see for for us.
1: I want to see whether hopefully the show is going to get picked up. Where you sort of feel like okay, there's there's a, there's a critical mass here that you can't yes. deny. Sure. Um, and that's the main thing. Right. because i assume also for you guys that you know the people people who review your work who talk about criticize your work unless they are people who you are in a long conversation with about what it is that you're trying to do i don't really care because you don't have that conversation if you want to have a long if you find a critic where you, you where they actually are engaged in sure. what it is you're trying to do and when you do it they actually you actually talk to them then that would be interesting but somebody who comes in and looks at something and discounts it it's still easy to discount everything so it's like you don't have you don't no care. I think it's fine and, to and, discount and those people
0: them all. those people have jobs you know they gotta they
1: gotta write something
0: I no, I think it's fine to discount all of them, but I wouldn't discount the good ones.
1: Well, it's also and like a director, even the when you, ones. even
0: when you come up to
1: me and you give me a good note and you're just like, do I hear the good note? Probably not. I mostly hear you be like, yeah, did you learn your lines in this thing? And I'd be like, yeah, I know my lines back off, dude. Um, so there is. I mean, a often sense you of, don't know your lines. I do know my lines all Often the time. you don't. I know my lines all No, no, the time. you do eventually know your know, lines know
0: by the time, time we're shooting.
1: Time. Yeah. Do I hold a production? Not one day. You don't hold up production. So here, so if you was... held
0: it up a day, that would be a problem. Please, a that would be a lot.
1: But here's the thing. So so that the part of my own process, that getting back to this thing about one of the reasons that I have a facility for learning lines quickly. But the reason that I, I mean, that is what Maggie and I were talking
0: about. Was that I you're know, amazing know, and I that know. you can look at it once and know
1: it. One of the reasons I do it to myself for myself is to feel um, on a bellows. You pull the pull the air and you press down, and there is a moment of compression before the air comes back out of the bellows. And to me, when you are able to fill yourself with whatever this particular moment it is that you're looking for and compress it before you allow yourself to express it, you can find things that are more exciting, more dangerous, and absolutely not what you expected walking in. And I feel like the Trying to put yourself on a balance beam where you even, especially if you've been working on it, you work on it, you work on it, you work on it, and then you're like, "Oh hell, I've worked on this so much now that I I'm going to make it something. I'm going to I'm doing that gesture again.
0: I'm going to force it. In. You know, I'm going to force my way to get it. I'm going to do
1: what I had planned to do, as opposed to be like, "Why? What's What's interesting about that? Just because you came up with it? What if it's not that? And what if What if when you get to that moment, all of a sudden, it needs to be something else because? of right. 10,000 But different... also I
0: think it has to do with watching you. I wonder, it has to, seems like it has to do with you're still the kid who wants the charge out of this thing happening, looking into another actor's eyes and everything becomes alive and the world disappears and you're just there. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's, you're trying to find moments. You're trying to, give, you're trying to give the editor a collection of moments that are varied and interesting and alive and whether they are appropriate or inappropriate, that's not for you to decide. But there's
0: an actor in the show who comes up to me and I'm not going to say if this is a man or a woman, uh, but uh, uh, them. Um, this actor comes up to me, and this is an actor at an earlier stage in their career. Sure. Someone who's in a bunch of episodes. And a bunch of times this actor has said to me, I've said, are you feeling good? And this actor said, as long as you're happy. Or I'll say that scene, and uh, they'll say, I just want to make everyone happy. I want you guys to be happy. I want things. And I've tried to say a couple of times... Don't think about that. That's my job is to think about whether I'm happy. Right. I'll keep coming to you and we'll do it over again. And your job, actor or actress, is to make yourself... Yes. ...feel like it's alive and happy. And and that seems like what you're after. And I I feel bad for this person's talented Mm -hmm. and can become successful at this. And I know that will happen for this person the moment that they release themselves from this idea of trying to hit what they assume is Dave and my target or correct. something. correct? Uh, hey, as long as I leave the floor and you guys are happy. Like, later it's kind of okay to th- think that, maybe, or to hope for it. Right. But it can't be something I don't think that you chase. I and, don't and care at all. R- right. I don't care at all. I mean, I
1: care I, long-term. I care in the overarching oh, aspect of Oh, no, no, it. you care. But my sense of obligation to you, my sense of obligation to what you wrote, my sense of obligation to to making what you wrote exact if you want it exact you will get it exact but in your exacting you know it's the the law law of thermodynamics you cannot isolate something in space and time at the same time you can only do one of the other and so to me i'm like i I am going to get there i will get there and i am even to the point where i make you nervous where you're like why are you not knowing what you're going to say wait you know you've
0: never made me nervous on a set not a day in however many things we've done together Thank um No, you don't make me nervous. I I find it fun to watch your... I'm totally, as you know, like, I mean, you've seen me howling when you're working, how happy it makes me and Dave. But that's separate from the... But that point is, I believe you've discovered that the way to serve the whole thing is by making sure in those little moments... You're feeling maximally alive.
1: But that's me. That's my weird thing. Like, I set up rules, and then I break the rule in order to enjoy myself breaking the rule. That's just a weird, like, Catholic weird thing. I need the rule. I need to write the rule, look at the rule, break it in half, and then stand there with a sort of shit-eating grin on my face and being like, it's exciting, right? I just broke that rule. It's delicious. So I'll give you an instance. So a friend of mine... You go through pilot season, your listeners know what pilot season are, is. And for years and years and years, I was going out and not getting pilots and not getting pilots. And I came to another pilot season, and my, my friend who was a, a, a Glenn Kessler, who was a, a producer of uh, Damages, executive, a writer, producer of creator damages, of those shows of, those brother. Brother. of Bloodline, is um, a great writer and he's a great friend. And he was my acting coach, and I was his acting coach. And um, He must have given you a great part in Bloodline if you guys are such good... No, I couldn't. I'm not available. Ah. I'm not available because ah. of this. So I'm just trying to drive a wedge between <laughs> sure, you Sure, sure. Well done. Um, so he said to me, he said, okay, here's what you do. At the end of every comic audition, so you'd go into these comedy rooms, right, and you would read for the casting director, and you'd have to do these terribly not unfunny lines, and there would be no, no laughter, and you would hate yourself for saying them, for sucking, for not hating them, for trying to get the job, for trying to endeavor to do whatever the fuck it is that you were trying to do, just get over, basically, and not. And then there's this incredible, terrible moment when you they're like, okay, thank you, and then you, it's like, you know, ten miles to the door. So then, what do you do in that ten miles of, like, walking through your own feces? Like, you're going to now have to travel through the river of feces of your own making that you just created and now is flowing from the door to you, choking you to death. And so he said, okay, when you do that, that moment when you stand up and you walk to the door, stand up, turn to them, look at them and say one word. And I was like, what's the word? He's like, delicious. Ah. He just said, just say it. Ha. Just stand up and say and just look at them and being like, delicious. And people, they would all lean forward and be like, uh, and they wouldn't know what, to, what they were supposed to say or what I was supposed to say. And then you just look at them again and just be like, just smile and just be like. Don't say another word. That's, there's, that's, all, that's all you need to catapult you through. And it was an incredible feeling. I did it like three times that whole season because then I never got a job. Yeah, of course but, not. But that sense of like, and don't do this, anybody. Don't, don't do it. It's, a, it's a, an advanced move for people who don't want a job. <laughs> um, and I would tell my students, I was like, you don't get to do this because I've already done it. and You can't do it because you're too young. But it was incredibly freeing to me. Because I all of a sudden I had come up with this rule. I was like, "Who, who? Like, what does it even mean? What were you saying?" I'm like, "It was everything. It was like the perfect word, and it was the perfect way to relieve the deep inadequacy and shame."
0: It was a way to like, leave all that in the room. So was the way. Way. you was gone when you left. The, when you left,
1: door. it was fantastic, and I got through the whole process. I didn't get a job, but I felt fantastic
0: i'm so angry that you didn't tell me this story before the season because that word would have been wags. <laughs> yeah well now you got a second season. that's gotta be delicious. uh something that we say And yeah. wags has to say that sure well you have to come back here because i want to talk you know you, you mentioned teaching and and uh oh, yeah. i'm someone who doesn't believe any of this stuff can be taught so i'm really interested to hear how and why you think it can
1: no i, I, I do
0: well i think that's delicious I really do. Um, Hey, Dave Costable, man, um, as I said, you know, you deserve all of it and more. I've watched you work with uh, rigor and and focus and discipline and even just hearing, I hope people understand, I mean, the amount of thought you've given to how to do this thing in a way that's not fraudulent, in a way that's genuine, in a way that doesn't rely upon tricks. Because part of what you were talking about, and I just want to lay it out there, is you're talking about not relying on pulling faces, not relying upon techniques you've picked up that can get through a scene, right? right. You're talking about honoring this artist's life. Yeah, you trying to. By being real and present and there for your fellow actors because that's the gift you're giving them, right? Is, hey, I'm right here.
1: Hopefully. If you're doing your job, yeah,
0: and it's a magical thing to watch and to be a part of. So, thanks for uh, being one of the uh, measuring sticks upon which I, I have well, I've decided that life. Uh, can I guess be fair. life is
1: fair and just now. It's
0: fantastic. It, it can be. <laughs> no, it's, it just can be. Can I now be. know that it yeah, can it's be. not, but it, it can be. be. It's possible. That's all. Uh, you can't find David Costable on social media. No, nope. but uh, I guess if you tweeted me some kind of message, I could probably get it to him. And maybe I will. Maybe I won't. We'll see. We'll see how it feels in the moment. You're the gatekeeper. I can make the rule that I'm going to, and then I can just decide I'm never going to. And won't that feel fun? And that'll feel great. Delicious. uh, And delicious for all of us. Thanks for listening, and uh, please come and and watch Dave Costable do his thing. I'll say this. This week, episode two of Billions is on, on Sunday night. Dave has some uh, great stuff in episode two. In episode three, he just lays it down. I mean, he puts (laughs) his thing down, as they say. In, uh, in episode three, so you'll want to be along for that unless you're easily offended. In which case, don't fucking listen to this show. No, don't watch it don't, don't watch and don't listen but watch yeah, and yeah. listen I guess and then be offended yeah and and then but I mean, first they're
1: listening to the podcast they're offended already or they're they should no they've
0: be, decided right? that they can't they they're, no. they can't be offended I can't be offended that I know for sure alright thanks for listening everybody see you next time hey if you want to tell me that you're offended email me themomentbk at gmail.com just don't send me any scripts because that will offend me in a way uh, that uh, is hard to even describe um, but uh, feel free to tell me anything else that you want about the show Kosti thanks for being here everybody see you next week This week, the Edge of Sports podcast has Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You wrote that terrific piece contrasting Trump and Sanders. Do you consider yourself a Bernie Sanders supporter at this point? I like Mr. Sanders' approach. And I remember in 2008, you supported President Obama. Some big NBA personalities were supporting Hillary Clinton. Are you think Sanders more than Hillary is your political cup of tea, if you will? Hear the answer at
1: edgeofsportspodcast.com.